The Limud Toronto Festival takes place on Sunday, November 21st. Limud features educators, performers, authors, activists, and innovators from around the world. The Limud Festival of Jewish Learning celebrates creativity, diversity, inclusivity, and discussion. Everyone is welcome. All tickets to Limud are pay what you can. Learn more at limud.ca. Hi, everybody. I'm Ralph Benmergy. Welcome to Yehopitzville. Brought to you by Pear Tree Canada. Hope you're having yourself a good autumn. It's been an odd autumn where I live. Very wet and dewy, kind of cold. Uh, some news for me. I do have my uh, other podcast that I do. That's my podcast called Not That Kind of Rabbi. Uh, you can always uh, check that out. There's lots of episodes for you to pick from. And I have a book out. I've just published a book called I Thought He Was Dead. Now, let's get to the Hopetsville at hand. You know, I actually reached out to the island kingdom of Newfoundland a little while ago, looking for somebody there who might fit the Yehopitzville bill. I'd never heard anything back. I'd sent a few queries to the local synagogue and different things, but I hadn't heard anything. And I I, I did know one family uh, that lived in St. John's for quite a while. And the reason I knew them is because they were Moroccan. They were the Gabay family. And they went there many moons ago and we, living in Toronto, the Moroccan Jews just thought, what a, wow, this must just be just crazy for you to be there. Because not only are you there as Jewish people in St. John's, you're Spanish Moroccan Jewish people in St. John's. So uh, they loved it. They raised uh, two kids there, had a great time while they were there teaching. And uh, now they're back in the uh, promised land of Toronto. So they're they're. They're safe and sound, having loved their experience. But this, courtesy of Ellen Besner from the CJN Daily, uh, she said, you know, you might want to talk to this woman. I think this could be interesting. And I do want to talk to this woman. So I'm going to talk to this woman. Elizabeth Loader is her name. She's a meteorologist, an engineer, a project manager, a mother, and a baltifila. What more could you want? She can lead prayer service and tell you whether it's going to be raining outside at the same moment. And in Newfoundland, when it rains, it's more of a physical assault on your body. These huge droplets whack you in the head as you're walking down the street, you know, Water Street or something. It's just the best. Go to Duckworth and get over it. So, right? Am I right? Am I right? Elizabeth Loder joins me. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Yes, that is accurate. It is more of a sideways rain (laughs) at most times. Sideways rain. It's just the first time I encountered it. I think it was a November day, and I was in uh, St. John's doing some work. And I kept thinking, why am I like in pain here while it's raining? And I realized that it was coming at me on a horizontal level. So, and you got, I mean, last year there was, uh, was it last year there was a 70 uh, centimeters of snow that fell all at once? Yes, that was a pretty substantial state of emergency. Uh, Snowmageddon, they called it. Crazy. All right, let's let's wind to the beginning. You're not from Newfoundland. No, I'm originally from upstate New York and uh, went to school for meteorology. My first job in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador. And it's very well known for its unique weather. It sits, you know, an island in the North Atlantic that sits at the, the crossroads, you know, really between the, the cold Labrador current and the warm Gulf Stream. And it makes for some really explosive and interesting weather. So 
I thought it would be a great spot to, you know, hone my forecasting chops and get used to uh, the business of meteorology. You're in upstate New York. You love weather, I'm assuming. Yes. Or the the study of climate, to be more precise. Uh, And I don't know how you how did you even find out about St. John's, Newfoundland? It is well known for its atmospheric phenomena. It's a unique spot within Canada. And it's not uncommon for meteorologists to have to travel, especially for their first job, because you only need so many forecasters per city. So I did expect to travel a bit. uh, And then, you know, my thought was probably to end up back in New York eventually. That's where my family is and certainly very close to my folks and and thought that's the way things might go. Um, But many people who have been to St. John's and, and Newfoundland know that it's a very unique and special place and it can take a hold of you. And so I've been here 15 years now. So what was supposed to be a couple years uh, interesting jaunt, <laughs> uh, you know, turns out to be a home. So I know how I felt the first time I, I went to Newfoundland and went to St. John's. What was your first impression when you got off the plane, unless you took the ferry from the PEI, but if you got off the plane, what was your first impression of the city? It's a rugged place. I think that's the word I mostly used to describe it to my family and friends back home. Uh, I My first winter here was just very memorable in that it is, the weather can, can, can really change with the minute and it is absolutely, uh, bone chilling cold at times. Uh, And then the sun will come out and it's just brilliant and beautiful. And uh, so the weather certainly did strike me and that is, you know, my business. So I, I did find that quite interesting. I love the outdoors there hiking and uh, the, the coastline is just breathtaking. And certainly it's smaller than uh, the the cities that I had lived in before, uh, you know, St. John's itself it is almost 250,000 people when you look at the, including the surrounding area. Um, but, you know, this is the one major city and then the rest of the province is much uh, more remote and sparsely populated. Uh, you know, the culture is unique here. And I just loved it. I love music, traditional music. Uh, and so the, the Newfoundland music and the pubs and the, the uh, Irish Newfoundland folk music was fantastic. That certainly was an early memory for me, just uh, being able to go and to a cozy little pub in the middle of a snowstorm and take in uh, the, the local music scene. It was a lot of fun. And the accent? How, how did you, was that a little surprise for you? Yes. Yeah, so I, I knew that there was a lot of Irish and influence, uh, English influence here. And you definitely hear it. There's a unique Newfoundland accent uh, and different dialects in different parts of the province. Uh, one thing that people speak about Newfoundlanders uh, is just the speed at which <laughs> the uh, <laughs> is spoken. And sometimes it's not as recognizable as English, um, but I have an absolute respect for all of the um, all the different sights and sounds of that. Uh, um, just the uh, the culture and 
and the the timber of speech is just really entwined and it, it's absolutely charming and it does rub off on you. I think I don't notice it so much myself, but when I go home, people notice I've got different inflection and those things that, uh, you know, it, it, the turns of phrase are unique. There's a lot of things that. So, wait, like you bust through the door back in New York. Go, oh, how are you doing there, boy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sure sometime, yeah. You know, there are, yeah. there's a lot of things, you know, what are you at? <laughs> it's, um, I can't define them in traditional, you know, U.S. English. Uh, some of them really just a lot of phrases it's or. It's a patois. It's a certain patois. There's no doubt about it. Right. Yeah. And, and if you go to Gander or Grossmorn, you know, uh, even the Mount Pearl, uh, <laughs> there's always some unbelievable inflection. It's a, you know, one of the other things that struck me in St. John's when I first went there was uh, as you walk down into the town, it's very steep, right? Very steep hills, but these houses were all built on the steep hill on an, on an angle going down and different color for each one. The uh, Canadian comedian Rick Mercer, the first time I ever went to his house that he had, it was about 18 feet wide and brightly colored. And uh, I think it cost about $15,000 at the time to buy the house. So uh, I'm sure the prices have changed, but nonetheless, I was just everything about it struck me. So being Jewish, did that occur to you as something that might be a bit of an issue when you were taking the job? Originally, as a recent university graduate, uh, it it was not too much of a worry. I think it was later on having children and thinking about what their Jewish experience would be like growing up, where it it did start to strike me that I would have to forge my own way uh, in in educating them, and uh, that it was certainly more of a thought. From a family perspective, uh, you know, when I, it's being a young adult, you know, you, you carry your foundation of Judaism with you. And so I, I found it wasn't too much of a concern at that point. Right. But once you have the kids, it's like, well, how am I going to pass this on? Did you, uh, like, how many Jewish people are there in Newfoundland? I would say, I'm not sure about how many Jews, but in terms of observant Jews, you know, there may be, there are probably a hundred people total who want to engage with the Jewish community. Um, in terms of wanting to come to a Friday night service, you know, it's, it's pretty tough to get 10 people together most weeks. Um, but when you have, you know, a Hanukkah party or some social event, we do uh, a Holocaust memorial service each year. And then you start to see, you know, 20, 30, 40 people come out um, and things have been growing. You know, I've seen a difference in the Jewish population in the last 15 years. There is a bit of ebb and flow, uh, but the last few years we've had a lot of uh, new babies. And so I would say there are probably 10 new <laughs> Jewish kids in the neighborhood uh, that, you know, it remains to be seen what kind of engagement they might have with the community, but what looked like it was quite a dwindling population. We've recently had a bit of resurgence. Is there a rabbi? Is there a Hebrew school? Any of that? There is a Chabad rabbi. Uh, he moved here with his family a few years ago, and 
there is a conservative synagogue that does not have a rabbi associated with it. We're members there. And that is a, yeah, you'd probably see, you know, maybe six to 10 people on a Friday night service and a handful of people will come Saturday morning. And then there is a third group that is uh, a community, Havara, that is more casual. Uh, we'll get together in people's homes or pre-pandemic would get together in people's homes for potluck service uh, and social hangout. Uh, and so then there's no rabbi associated with that group either. So it is, you know, it's really interesting because in a small community, all these individuals, uh, you know, may maybe have their own, um, you know, beliefs and observances. And it's much more apparent. If you were in a large community, you might have differences of opinion and different uh, religious beliefs, but there's a critical mass in each category. So each group can maybe get together and do things. But uh, with the size that we have, you know, it is interesting because people range from the ultra observant to the just, you know, social, um, casual Jew. So it is really challenging to get a group together. You know, if you're looking to have, you know, you need a minion, for example, to do most things. You need 10 Jews to say certain prayers, and it's pretty rare to get that. Hmm. So for you, what what gets you going to synagogue, making you a member? I mean, you could just as easily blend in with the locals and move on. What, you know, what, what, what is it that made you go, now I got to do this. I got to make sure that I am I'm planting a bit of a flag here. Jewish observance has always been a part of my life. Uh, I was certainly raised with Jewish values and morals, and those ethics are the core of my being. I think it's, uh, you know, a big part of my identity is observing my Judaism. And so wherever I've been in life, I've always looked to see how I can connect with the local community. And here there's also, you know, a feeling of what can I contribute and what can I bring? Uh, I was very lucky to have a, you know, a, a solid background where I grew up and went to Hebrew school. I learned to lead services. I learned to chant Torah. I learned all, all about, you know, the holidays and observances. And so when I moved here, and as time went on, I realized there was a need for that knowledge, and I could share it with the community. Uh, we've done a, various things over the years that have been extremely rewarding for me. So you know, there's there's my own religious observance, but then there's also the volunteer aspect of helping the community do things they otherwise would not necessarily be able to do. Uh, for example, we have uh, I've taught several uh, bar mitzvah students over the years. So there are Jewish kids in the community who have this connection and wanted to study and learn how to read Hebrew, and that was something that I could do. Uh, there's no Hebrew school here. There's no uh, Currently, at least, uh, I think there has been over the years from time to time been a, a teacher who's either come through affiliated with the university or something like that. Um, but, you know, if, if people want to learn, I'm certainly here to help. So we've, we've had a couple of bar mitzvahs and I now have my first bat mitzvah student. Mm. Uh, so it's really a matter of if you, you know, if you want the kids to, to learn and, and uh, be able to 
continue on the tradition, you really have to roll up your sleeves and <laughs> do it yourself. And do your kids feel a, a strong Jewish identity or do they feel like Newfoundlanders? I think they, I think they're both. I think they're very right. strongly both, which is wonderful. My husband is from Newfoundland, uh, born here. And so, and my kids are born here. So they are all Newfoundlanders and very uh, strongly connected to this place. Uh, my husband's not Jewish. So we've been, we made the decision to, to raise a Jewish family together. And he's been such a great support to that endeavor. Um, but I think, you know, it really does take a concerted effort to create a Jewish home and to have these Jewish traditions. And it has been, you know, that part of it, I think, is, is probably the easiest part, the ebb and flow of the, the home-based traditions, uh, the holidays, Shabbat, the kids really seem to enjoy that quite a bit and are completely connected to that. And I have to thank my family back home. They have been extremely helpful uh, in helping my kids connect to their Jewish traditions. Uh, we travel frequently back to the States to celebrate holidays with my extended family. And that was especially helpful in the early years, uh, you know, when they were young, being able to go and entrench ourselves in a world that where they have many more peers and there is a Jewish uh, presence and you can go even just to a secular restaurant and there's matzah on offer if it's Passover time <laughs> you know here in St. John's we have to special order the matzah in a case and we're trying to find people to you know take part so that we have enough folks to order matzah <laughs> and so just the idea that there are places, you know, I remember distinctly taking the kids uh, one year to Florida over there uh, December break and we went to the zoo and in addition to all of the wonderful gaudy Christmas decorations there was a giant inflatable dreidel <laughs> and it's just these kinds of things that you take for granted if you grow up in a large Jewish community these symbols that there are other Jewish people out there and so uh, one of my main strategies early on with the kids was to make sure that that we did visit uh, places where that is the case and uh, they're starting to get to the age where they can take an interest in their heritage and for them I think uh, and this may be just my my ext extension of my own beliefs about it but you know they're inherently Jewish by blood by heritage and so it's a question of what they want to make of that but they feel very innately Jewish just purely by the virtue of and where they came from. Yeah, and the fact that you, you, you're you doing it, if you're doing it, then it's osmotic at that point. But, okay, so when you're in St. John, when you look into the middle of the city, there is a honking big Catholic church. I mean honking big. <laughs> it's, it's the biggest thing here. Which one um, are you referring to? <laughs> oh, uh, what's the one right in the middle? Like when you're, <laughs> That's uh, the Basilica. I just mean there are... Yeah, the Basilica. Dozens. There are absolutely... Yeah, dozens. So... Uh, Throughout the 15 years, have you been the first Jew that people have met? Yes, in a lot of cases. And certainly the first with answers or information <laughs> about uh, the observance of Judaism. And it, it has, it, I think that's a big part of the continuity of Judaism and being Jewish while surrounded by Christianity. 
you know, Newfoundland and Labrador, well, especially St. John's, I can't really speak for all the outports, but in St. John's, there is a huge presence of Christianity and an assumption that that is what everyone is, uh, especially because outwardly we look just, <laughs> just like the uh, surrounding Newfoundlanders. And so the assumption from everyone on the street in December, every nan, every, every grandmother to asks my kids out of the blue because everyone is quite friendly. You know, they say, what did you ask Santa for, for Christmas? And it's absolutely assumed that of course Santa would be coming. And of course they would have asked for something. And so there is a tremendous opportunity <laughs> for education. <laughs> it's almost a necessity for the kids. You know, I didn't mind that as a 20 something person walking around St. John's, everyone wishes you Merry Christmas. And it's, yeah, it's not a big deal. But, you know, when I started sending my kids to school and they're coming home and everything from December 1st onward is red and green and, you know, it's show your spirit. Advent calendars. and Yeah. yeah. And, and the assumption is, is very strong that everyone would celebrate Christmas. So we, you know, we saw it as an opportunity. Everyone really does want to learn about different cultures and different religions. And there are other growing cultures and religions in St. John's now. Uh, It's Mm. becoming much more diverse in recent years. And in fact, you know, the schools here are no longer uh, associated with denominations. You know, the public schools now. Yeah, yeah, they have no Catholic school system anymore. Do you have lights on your house around Hanukkah Christmas time? Or do you go? We we put up some white lights. My kids are, uh, you know, they. they... Because if you don't, right, if you don't, (laughs) then it's just like, hey. How come you guys don't have lights up? Yes. Right? Yeah. They they look very nice around the menorah, the electric menorah. That's also. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, it is it's it's great to see. So the schools now have religion classes that are more inclusive and are looking to cover off different religions and educate the children about diversity and tolerance, which is certainly worth doing. And so. You know, I volunteer time to go around to different schools and do a little program about Judaism. Uh, and we do it around Hanukkah time. So we do cover off the Hanukkah rituals. But I speak more broadly about our other holidays and beliefs and observances, because really, you know, even though Christmas is perhaps very central to Christianity, you know, Hanukkah is a, <laughs> a smaller, minor holiday in uh Jewish observance, but I like to spread the word to these teachers in schools about, uh, you know, our high holidays. They usually coincide with the first day of school. And so you're already <laughs> dealing with these wonderful differences on, uh, you know, as school is just starting, we're saying, by the way, <laughs> we've got a missed class and here's why. And so uh, I've, you know. Has there, has there been a downside at all? Has there been a, you ain't from around these parts kind of thing? Thankfully, I personally have not encountered any direct anti-Semitism. I certainly have encountered ignorance, uh, but it's been mostly, you know, I would say well-intentioned in the way of when I've been able to and had the opportunity to, to share a bit about myself and my beliefs. You know, typically people are quite curious and, and genuinely interested Um you know, I think the downside or the challenge that we face really is the, the lack of, of a sizable community. It has been a big shift for me because, 
I didn't realize how uh, lucky and privileged I was to be a part of a large Jewish community. You had the luxury of choosing to be involved. You could show up on Friday night, but if you had a meeting, you know, there was no one <laughs> saying, where were you on Friday night? We couldn't do X, Y, or Z. There wasn't, you know, it's, it's so amazing when there is a force, when the Jewish community is a force that you can join. It is an entirely different situation when you have to make it for yourself and that it really relies on you to run. Uh, so it's been a, a shift for me in realizing that if I do want it to continue and I want my kids to have any kind of experience, it really does require engagement on a completely new level than, than I was expecting to, uh, to contribute. But, uh, you know, there's, there are, I like to look up the upsides and, you know, on, on the plus side, you, you really think about the intention of anything that you're doing. You really have to want it. You don't do it just because uh, it's available and everyone's doing it. You can't just opt into a, a Hebrew school program. You know, if I'm doing all of that myself, I really do think about what are the most important parts of it for me and what do I most need them to learn to prioritize. And so some things have certainly fallen to the wayside and other things maybe have become more prevalent. Yeah, I mean, you 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 have to be conscious. You it can't just be, you know, who cares if I show up at the high holidays? Nobody will notice I'm missing. It, <laughs> it has to be conscious. So uh, uh, is that it? Uh, are you now like a, a Newfoundlander? Or like, is it done? <laughs> Is New York State losing losing a Jew? Just just let me know because not that they have a shortage. <laughs> is, uh, is it like uh, you're done and, and and that's that? Because the thing is, you got kids, and one of the saddest parts about Newfoundland is how many people have to leave to get work. Young people. So when you look into the future, where do you, where do you see it going? It would be. It's hard to leave, and it's hard to stay. I do feel a bit torn because we in Newfoundland are facing some realities of a small province. There are some fiscal realities, healthcare outlook, you know, some of these really serious things, education, you know, quality of life things that you, you wonder what, you know, what is the future going to look like for them, for my kids here? Uh, and is that something that we want to preserve and, and promote? And is this where they'll have the best future? Um, and then there are some things that are so beautiful and unique about here that would make it very hard to leave. Uh, the isolation of Newfoundland and Labrador, you know, especially St. John's, the location, being an island here, we are isolated from some things. I mean, the pandemic was a great example of how we got to live a very lucky and charmed life for the past few years because we were largely unaffected by mainland uh, issues. And, you know, I do appreciate that for them, the safety of being able to go out on your bikes and being able to uh, traverse the world as, as Newfoundlanders is a, um, you know, it's a wonderful landscape for them to grow up in. And so it's, it is a real balance, you know, the trade-off being that they have very few peers and they're the only two people, <laughs> you know, I, I am the next youngest person at services with my kids every Friday night. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, that that's not just in 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 Newfoundland. There's that's a, an issue for a lot of uh, churches, synagogues, temples. But I will, you know, as a tangent, um, you know, when people are older, they have uh, more of that time. And they're also more reflective. It's the contemplative part of their lives. And younger people are like, I'm busy. I got things to do. I got to get here. I got to get there. So I don't bemoan it as much as some. So uh, the fact that you're there, though, and that you can lead prayer and that you can be a, a, a major person in the community of 100 souls, as it were, uh, it's a great thing, right? I mean, uh, it, it's a value there that if you you know move to Long Island, it's like there's 14 synagogues, who cares if you show up and you're, you're certainly not going to be leading the prayer. They paid a rabbi to do that. And, you know. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah, yeah it's, it's I, I love what you're doing. I, I find it it's hilarious that you thought you might stay for a year or two and it's been 15. Uh, and you raised a family, uh, and you've managed to just put up enough lights at Christmas that nobody thinks, what is going on at that house? <laughs> <laughs> you still figure you're part of the game. But uh, I, Elizabeth, I want to thank you. I, I, I love this whole thing, and I love Newfoundland. I am always telling people who haven't been. I've been about six times, and I'm always telling people, you've got to go. You can't. I mean, the whole island is incredible. Uh, I've been in a helicopter in Gross Morn, you know, where there's a 2,000 foot fjord, um, yeah. and the, you know, all of it, you know. I've been in Gander with moose, you know, like you don't drive from Gander St. John's after dusk because you get hit by a moose, the moose wins, you know. So there's all these lovely things, you know, uh, and the people there that, I, you know, I know that in my experience, you can't say enough about the warmth of the people and. You know, there's such loving community in that in that place, uh, and the music. You know, it's just soulful. Uh, I just uh, did a podcast with Alan Doyle a little while ago, and you know, the, the guy just lives in St. John's, and it's just life is life. And his his sister lives halfway down the street, and his parent, mother lives another couple of doors down, and they're not even from St. John's; they're from from the the bay. You know, he's a bay boy, so it, the whole thing is so lovely. So. Thank you for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. And uh, uh, as Hanukkah is approaching, uh, have a good one. Uh, light the menorah for the, all the rest of us and uh, keep the flame going there, okay? Well, thank you very much for having me. Pleasure. Elizabeth Loder is a meteorologist, engineer, project manager, and Baltifila, no less, uh, in St. John's, Newfoundland. Um, this has been Yehopitzville, sponsored by Pear Tree Canada reducing the after-tax cost of giving for Canadian major gift donors. Learn more at paratreecanada.com. I'm your host, Ralph Benmergi. Our producer is Michael Freeman. Our music is by Louis Samayo. And if you want to travel with us across this great country, visiting more small Jewish communities, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to hear more Canadian Jewish stories, you can find them at the Canadian Jewish News' website, the cjn.ca. One more thing, the CJN Circle. If, if you join the circle, you get quarterly magazine invitations to live events and a weekly printable edition. Learn more at thecjn.ca slash circle. Thanks, and we'll see you next time in Yehopitzville. 
The Limud Toronto Festival takes place on Sunday, November 21st. Limud features educators, performers, authors, activists, and innovators from around the world. The Limud Festival of Jewish Learning celebrates creativity, diversity, inclusivity, and discussion. Everyone is welcome. All tickets to Limud are pay what you can. Learn more at limud.ca.